Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this week's installment of Money in the Middle podcast. We have an outstanding show for you today and a special guest, Roderick Jones from Aparty Capital Markets. And I, you know, look, buckle up. We think you're in for a good show today. As is customary, we're going to start this week off with a proverb. And this week's proverb is, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Trust me, you're going to want to take out your pen and paper for this one, as Roderick and I have a really good conversation about multifamily investing, the current interest rate market, and things of that nature. So what are you waiting for? Let's go ahead and get right into it. So Rajik, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Happy to be here. Hey man. Uh, you know, it's been a long time. We've been trying to do this for some time, and I'm glad that we finally were able to uh, finally get on the books and put it in stone. So why don't you yeah. tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Roderick Jones. I am the CEO, co-founder, and chairman of A Party Capital Markets, where, you know, I like to call ourselves a discretionary capital provider meaning that we can either act as a broker or a direct lender and we normally lend on multifamily properties in the southeast and that's a little, little bit about the discretionary capital partners i like that <laughs> that was smooth um what, so, it, man. How, how long have you been in this field you know or, or well twofold how long have you been in the multifamily capital field and what made you decide that this was the route that you wanted to go yeah so i've been in the the multifamily space since 2017 and i got started originally by you know being a syndicator going through syndicating um capital for large multifamily apartment complexes in the southeast and then i realized that uh being an owner operator is cool but it's not really what i wanted to do and so i shifted from you know running are you know being the owner operator of multifamily properties to just being a capital allocator to multifamily properties and the reason i shifted was because that's more it's more of it's more in line with what i feel like i should be doing personally than you know what i originally set out to do so i originally set out to you know buy multifamily properties because i thought it was going to you know make me financially free i realized i like the capital capital allocation space better where I can just put together different kind of capital structures and different kind of funds to get investors returns. And then if I can just lend those funds out or put those funds to work, I can make the same returns being an allocator than being a sponsor. That's when the light bulb clicked and I said, okay, I want to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a allocator and not a sponsor because allocation fits me better. Man, let me tell you, you are, you're spot on. Uh, that's actually why I got into uh, or why I'm more drawn to the capital pr- provision side of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think you and I met 
right at you know some year a few around 2017 18 when uh, I was starting out on my own as a capital provider or or what would you say a uh <laughs> Uh, how discretionary does you capital a, a discretionary capital provider. <laughs> <laughs> that was smooth, mm-hmm. man. I, I didn't even hold it, but yeah, as a discretionary capital provider, right? Uh, a buddy of mine um, and I, we had a few dollars, and we decided that hey, we want to make our money work for us, and we started lending out our own capital and we very quickly realized that we didn't have enough, which is where we became that hybrid for the uh, broker or discretionary, you know, from our own, from our own fund. So I, I think that mm-hmm. that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, you know, you operate now uh, as a capital, capital provider for uh, multifamily investors, etc. cetera. Um, uh, obviously, there's a there's a lot of push in the marketplace about um, buying multifamily, a bunch of doors, yada yada yada. Uh, and there's a there's a lot of capital in the marketplace right now for that sort of thing. Um, I, I want to get your take on that, but before I do, why don't you let the listeners know what a typical transaction for you looks like? Yeah, so uh, typical transaction size is going to be between 15 and 100 million. Um, it's normally going to be A class or B class. We can do C class. And it's normally going to be in the Southeast. You know, that's going to be either Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Carolina, Kentucky. It's going to be in those markets. However, we can do nationwide. Two markets I haven't seen the deal working yet is California and New York. Yeah. And I just don't know why they don't work but they just don't work when they come across the desk yeah you know new york and california this is no shade to either of those places but new york and california have their own uh set of expectations when it comes to doing deals within those states in the first place uh and then between the licensing requirements and the red tape in both those states um Add on top of that, that the investor marketplace in those states are relatively delusional about the real world of what we do. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, you know, they, they, they think that it's uh, everything should work the way they want it to. But in reality, that's just not the case. Uh, but Thanks. when you're in when you're in ge- geographics that, you know, kind of set their own rules, they have enough capital to provide capital to those investors in those marketplaces, I think that um, they, they, they feel that way for a reason. So I don't want to, I'm not uh, downing them by any means, but you know, I don't think that they have, when they start looking for capital outside of those places, it does get a little bit tricky. Um, Thanks. So, so thank you, thank you. You know, I just wanted to, I didn't want people to, you know, we're going to put your bio and you know, how to contact me. Uh, uh, on this episode, so I didn't want people to call you and say, "Hey, I got a two hundred thousand uh, dollar apartment complex in Milwaukee. <laughs> I want to buy." <laughs> you know, I want to. Yeah, I, I, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll, you know, it's you got to be careful when you say two hundred thousand. Uh, that's but the thing is, is people that can suit 
your needs better at that level and i'm just not one of those people so i would just try to refer them to somebody else but yeah you got a point you got a point that was a diplomatic way of saying uh no no thank you yesterday's price is not today's price Yesterday's price is not today's price. Um, you know, so, so back to the original question, right? There is a lot of capital uh, in the marketplace right now for um, investors, right? Rates have gone up, which we talked about on our last episode. You know, and I, we'll get your perspective on that. But uh, what, what are you seeing in the multifamily capital space right now that you know what could kind of help our our listeners with get a sense of you know getting into the market or what they should look for and things of that nature what, what are some of the things that you're seeing yeah so right now i'm seeing deals deals are hot and people are overpaying a lot and when i say overpay when, when, when doing a loan, I'm trying not to get too far into the weeds here, but when doing a loan, if it's you hear right. that you can get seven... Go, go all the way in, and I'll translate for you. All right, perfect. So if you if you if if the loan to value is 75% that the lender is willing to give you, that is cool. So if you check the box and it says, okay, loan to value is good, the next box you need to check is the SER. Does it cover the debt? Yes, it covers the debt. But then what happens is there's this thing in the loan called um, debt yield. And this is how much the lender needs to make on the loan, you know, for loaning the money. So if anything goes wrong, at least the lender knows they'll make 8% on their money, you know, just by getting it back. And so if your loan hits 75% and you hit the debt service coverage ratio, but the value is not there, like you overpaid for it, and it doesn't hit the debt yield, then your loan proceeds come down. And a lot of sponsors don't understand that part. Like, you know, you told me 75%, you told me this rate, why am I getting lower proceeds? It's because of the debt yield. You gotta, the lender has to make money regardless. And, you know, a lot of people don't get that. And so one thing I see is sponsors overpaying. Another thing I see is the race for refinancing now. You know, we had years to refinance at lower rates when, you know, rates were low. People thought that rates would stay that low forever, like yep. into the future. And so now that rates are going up, you want to say, can we get this refinance at yesterday's rates? The answer is no. You should have got yesterday's rates when yesterday's rates was here. (laughs) You know, the rates change every single day. And it's just, that's the nature of it. You know, I follow the rates every single day on a show called the Commercial Mortgage Watch. And every single day, it looks like it's not really a lot of change. You know, you may say rates have went up two basis points, 30 basis, I mean, 12 basis points here and there. But at the beginning of the year, you could find a multifamily loan that's stabilized for around 2.87% at the lowest. Now you're going to find a multifamily loan that's stabilized for 4.87% at the lowest. And that's that's going up every day. You know, bank loans, the best rate you'll get from a bank loan is 4.75. And that's it's 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 yesterday's rates are not here anymore. Rates are going up and you can't get those prices again. And it's bad for the, it's not bad for the sponsor, but things are changing for the multifamily real estate space and people that's overpaying, it just doesn't make sense. And I'm gonna pause here because I can keep going. Like it's, I see a lot of things that's kind of frothy. 
the market multifamily real estate space is very frothy and people are overpaying you got to be careful you know you want to just do a deal for the sake of doing deals but at the end of the day um if you're doing a deal and it's not a good deal and you overpaid for the deal and then the bank has to come and take it back was it worth doing the deal yeah you know i think that's a great point that's a great point you know especially i think what you just said is the best point that can be made is that when you're doing a deal and you overpay for it if the bank has to come in and take it back or what we call that is a recapture um then what was that deal worth it in the first place and you know i I, look we don't get financial advice on this podcast so we are generally you know a lot i love for our experts to do what roger just did and and give the facts and then we let you uh have an honest introspective moment if you go back a few episodes we talk about introspection right but uh you need to have an honest introspection introspective moment to determine is this deal the right deal for you right so um on our last episode i talked a little bit about the the interest rates right and Mm -hmm. you know i didn't really go specific into details but uh i do want to get your thought on on the rates right so here's the thought that i had uh, the interest rate environment that we're seeing right now um, is a result of banks doing the same thing that the petroleum companies have been doing for the last uh, five or six months, which is profiting on the, you know, profiting on inflation and uh, charging more because they can, right? Um, here's why I have that thought. Uh, in 2017, you know, I, I watched the video. I'm, I'm, not, I'm probably going to put the, uh, an audio clip to this um, to this video in this podcast. Where I, I watched a video that I recorded of myself and my daughter in 2017, where um, I was teaching her about interest rates and. You know, I told her to say, you know, all loans are at 6% and that's prime plus one and a quarter, right? Mm -hmm. The prime rate in 2017 at that time was 4.75, (laughs) 4.75, right? But, But the interest rates... The loan rates, mortgage rates, FHA, uh, um, FHA, VA, USDA, Fannie, Freddie, all of the agencies were still trading or or still writing loans sub five and six percent, right? So, but today, you fast forward to 2022. Uh, the current prime rate is three and a half percent. But all of the agencies are charging for the the lowest agency rate that I've seen uh, was 3.99 or basically four with points, 
right? That was buying a rate down. But most of the rates are over four and a half, um, you know, four and a half, four and an eighth, you know, four and three quarters and up, right? And the reason that I'm talking specifically about agency is that agency, agency debt, you know, Fannie, Freddie, FHA, and all those folks, right? Um, generally is is priced it's generally priced to accommodate uh, more non-traditional borrowers right so borrowers who have who don't necessarily have this 750 credit score etc but everyone is affected by those rates um, so what, what, what do you think about that 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 statement that banks are doing what the petroleum companies have been doing and profiting on the fact that uh, inflation is rampant. We now don't get me wrong. We do need rates. Rates do, did need to increase to slow down the inflation. Also, to slow down this this delusion of this hot housing market with people waving inspections and appraisals and all that other nonsense. Uh, but what what do you think about that claim? Am I am I off my rockers or or you know tell me? No, you're on. You're on. You're absolutely on. And inflation, inflation is a bad thing and it's a good thing. So it's bad for the consumer and it's good for the business. And the reason it's good for the business is because the business just increases the prices and then the consumer has to pay that price. So, you know, if Fair the enough. rates were, if the rates were, you know, being that inflation is at 7%, I don't, don't quote me on that, but that's what, that, that's what I'm hearing these days. 7% high inflation. Somebody has to pay that cost. It's either going to be the business that pays it, the lender in this case, oh, or it's going to be the borrower. <laughs> yeah, it is going to be it's going to be the borrower, and so it's it's the borrower is paying the cost, and so they are profiting off of it, and lenders are profiting off of it. But it's if you don't include inflation into your model, then your returns are going to be lower. And being that inflation is kind of like a dead cost, it's a silent killer of capital then you know you have a a, uh, a projected return and then you have a real return your real return has to take out the inflation so if you want your real return to be closer to your projected return then you have to include inflation in there so that way you can hit the returns that you're looking for and and Whoa. that's 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 my take on it so, so uh yeah <laughs> you, when you think about it from a mathematical standpoint somebody has to eat the cost it's either you or the lender and you, you the know, borrowers are eating the cost but that's just the cost of business you know Roderick that was a very uh, that was a very professional approach to that question you know I uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the themes for this for this season was we want all the smoke you know so you know I, I'll take the smoke and I'll, 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 I'll let you pass on that I'll let you slide um, no but I absolutely <laughs> agree with you so I, to to I agree that you know the com lenders are profiting are doing the same thing that petroleum companies have been doing during this inflationary period. But my question to you is, uh, I'm gonna sound horrible for saying this, but Do is it. it a bad thing? It's <laughs> not. It bad? It's not. I mean, because you're a business. Frankly, if you're a business and you gotta make money, yeah, I can see if I'm a nonprofit. I'm a nonprofit. I'm in here to change the world. But I'm a business. I'm in here to make money and at a reasonable rate, morally, ethical, and legal, long as it fit those categories, and I'm providing a good service and you're willing to pay it, 
am I wrong for over listen you know listen as a lender I 100% agree and that's where we'll leave <laughs> other than that I ain't trying to lose no, no <laughs> listeners man <laughs> they were like oh you you're that guy too nah you, yes but no but uh you know but Usually, it's a it's a if, thin line you walk as is. a lender and as a consumer or as a person. And yeah, you, you, yeah. So I, our, I our get line, the line. Yeah, our my my line is if the deal doesn't fit with your objective, we walk away. Right. I don't care how much the deal mm-hmm. costs. Right. We're gonna price it so that everybody can win. But if it doesn't fit where everybody wins, we don't do the deal. So I, I get that. I get that. I agree Shift, with that. Shifting gears a little bit, tell us a tell us a, a story, right? About uh, one of the segments in our podcast uh, on every episode is story time, right? So tell us a story about, um, you know, maybe a transaction that you've done that had a lot of hair on it, or uh, that could also, you know, put a bright spot on some red flags for. Uh, anybody who's listening that might be interested in uh, investing in you know, multifamily. So, uh, and it's also r- real quick before you do that, it's important to note for the listeners that uh, I am a small balance real estate lender, meaning that for deals that are uh, 500,000 to 5 million, that's my niche. Uh, anything over, you know, that, you know, like, like Rod said earlier, the $15 million and up, that's his niche. So when you hear these stories, all deals, you know, for the most part, a lot of deals uh, have the same requirements and they have the same due diligence. The dollar amount just changes based on who's, you know, based on your strategy. Um, so yeah, but but yeah, Rob, t- tell us tell us a little bit, man. Help help us out. Okay, I'm gonna give you a story of a deal that didn't work. You know, everybody can come on here and tell you stories about deals that did work. But I'm going to tell you about a significant story. Yeah, I got you. (laughs) Yeah, about a deal that didn't work because that is the reality of the business. Um, You close a lot of loans, but then you also don't close a lot of loans. And you also get to the finish line on a lot of loans that still don't close. And and that's just the the nature of the business. And it's, you know, what can we do? You know, just keep putting up shots. So um, I had a sponsor and they were looking for a bridge loan and they needed 25 million dollars for this bridge loan in texas and the the problem was that they needed it yesterday so (laughs) you know they 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 needed it's okay so they needed a bridge loan and they needed prep equity you know so they need 25 million dollars for the bridge loan they need 11 million dollar prep equity check right so they they were doing a capital stack yeah, they were doing a capital stack. And so they needed it yesterday. So here's here's the number one thing that I that I messed up on. So we got to the end. Well, we didn't get to the end. Here's the number one thing that I messed up on. First thing was I I said, look, you guys need this done in 30 days. I'm not 100% confident that we can get this deal done in 30 days. The guy said, okay, still put it out there and see, you know, if we can make something work. So I'm like, nah, okay, I'll put it out there. So I put it out there. I actually, I actually, I actually get bites on it. Like, you know, yeah, we want to fund this deal. We want to do this, you know, 30 days. That's a bit aggressive, but you know, we'll try to get it done. So we get everything lined up, term sheets ready to go. 
actually actually get the $25 million senior bridge loan and the $11 million prep equity check. So, you know, this this transaction looking it's looking like it's pretty good. Looking real smooth, so, huh? Yeah, so I actually get it. The first thing going in my mind is I cannot do this. You know, I don't see how this is going to get done. And I should have just stuck with that. Like, let's be realistic. This is not getting done. So um, we get to due diligence documents and like the borrower is calling me like, you know, before the term sheets come out, like, hey, you know, did you get a term sheet? Hey, did you get a term sheet? Hey, did you get a term sheet? Every day. And that's like a number one red flag there. You know, like, why the heck are you asking for a term sheet? Every single Every day. day, you know, yeah. you know how this process works if you've been in the game for a while. And um, so I finally get the term sheet, and now there, the, the borrower is going around me to talk to the, the the lender, you know, itself. Like, hey, we need a term sheet for this. Hey, can we, you know? It's just like, okay, dude. So we finally get the term sheet out. They like the terms. They send the um, good faith deposit at ten thousand. Cool, everything's good. The lender has agreed to use the the old lender's uh, due diligence document, meaning their appraisal and everything like that. Cool. So they're running due diligence, and here's where where everything went wrong. We're running due diligence. We get to the end, and the lender is like, "Okay, we want to do this deal, but when it's time to refinance, you have to use us to refinance into a long term deal." And I get the play. You know, you're gonna get this, and you're gonna get the back end too. You don't want to just lead a black end up to somebody else. This sounds like a, so sweet, this, a sweetheart deal so far, right? I don't, I'm, we're, we're, you know, I guess we're about to get the hammer dropped on us. Yeah, so we are. So we get there, and the sponsor doesn't want to use the lender to refinance the deal. That's one. Second thing, the lender really doesn't like the deal anyway. They're just doing this deal to get the deal, to get it done. They don't like the timeline on it. So, you know, talking with the lender, it's two conversations you have. You have a conversation with the sponsor and then you have the conversation with the money. Conversation with the money is a lot different than you have with the sponsor. Money is going to be real. It's uh, unfiltered when you're speaking directly with the money, you know? Yeah. And they're like, this deal is cool, but it's not really, it's it's a, it's, it's an okay deal. Timeline doesn't really work, but we can still get it down the pipeline if we can get this. And the upside was to be able to refinance it on the back end. They couldn't get the refinance on the back end, so the lender wanted the uh, borrower wanted to walk away, and the lender said, "If we don't be able to get the refinance on the back end, then we don't want to do this deal." And for some reason, the sponsor didn't want to let the lender do the refinance on the back end. Secondly, I didn't get a term, I didn't get an engagement letter up front. So once they got a term Ooh. sheet, the lender was, you know, I was chasing the sponsor down, saying, "Hey, can you sign my engagement letter to, um, you know, I found the sponsor." And I didn't realize that, you know, I didn't think it was going to work, but can you get this term sheet signed? He said that he wanted to wait until, you know, we got down to closing to finalize the deal to, you know, sign the term sheets to see if we really have something here. So I'm chasing him down for the term sheet. The lender's chasing him down to make sure that we can refinance the deal and they're okay with uh, refinancing it out. And the whole time the sponsor is just like, no, I don't want to do it. And deal blows up. And the, and the thing is, the deal, it was okay deal. It was just, it the lender was not thinking, the lender was thinking long-term. I could do this short-term, refinance it, put it on my balance sheet long-term, and it'll be okay play. 
but the sponsor was thinking right now like i need these terms done right now and another thing is the lender said they would be able to do it but the bar would have to request an extension and the bar didn't want to request an extension he didn't want to do the um the lender refinance at the end and he didn't want to sign my term sheet so the deal blows up yeah how could all this have been avoided <laughs> it could have been avoided by getting a term sheet up front letting him know that the lender is going to request that they refinance this deal so you can't go to anybody else to refinance this deal they're going to lock it in for this bridge and you're going to have to use them for refinance and having all that discussion up front before we even go down the 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 pipeline and if i don't have an engagement letter no work begins at all ever because I don't have time to be chasing you down to get money. And I could have refined I could have structured it in a way with the lender to still get paid, but it's the purpose. It's the principle of it at that point. Yeah, that's 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 deep. That's deep. Yeah. And I think it was a big ego problem too, too. It's, that's yeah. usually it, man. You know how it is in this business, man. There's uh there's a lot of a lot of egos to deal with, a lot of folks who are um you know, it's just just tough all the way around. So, yeah. Um, and one thing I would say for the listeners is, check your ego at the door. So one thing I always tell myself is check my ego at the door. Like, you know, I'm a Christian, so I feel like you know the Lord has called me here to be a servant to other people, and as I'm being that servant to others, I gotta realize that I have to remove myself out of the equation and just you know serve in this particular situation. And once I remove myself and my ego, then the the deal is just a deal, you know? And however the cards fall, that's how they fall. But it won't fall because of my ego, at, you know? And that's how a lot of people should do it, you know? It won't, you know, the deal won't go bad. I mean, won't go through because my ego was in the way. The deal will only go bad because it just wasn't a good deal. And that's yeah. how all deals should go. But that's not how all deals go. That's how all deals should go. Um, no matter what role you're playing, whether you're the lender, whether you're the sponsor, you know, whether you're the broker, the seller, the buyer, it doesn't matter, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we got to check your ego at the door because, you know, you, you can't get anything done if you can't see past your own self. You know, so... Yeah. Uh, we are coming up on time. Right. So uh, before before I let you go, Rod, two things I want to do. Um, the first thing is, if I'm a sponsor and I'm looking for capital, what are some of the things that I can do, or what are some things that I should consider uh, in order to be uh, ready for capital? Yeah. So first thing I like to say is capital raising is a game and the people who lose is don't realize the people who lose is the people who don't realize that it is a game. And it's a game because there's certain things you have to say and have to hit in order to get approved. You got to have a track record. You got to have net worth and liquidity and you have to have um, a deal. So if you don't have any of those three, then you have to build a team around it. So what's, you don't that, have three again? what's that three again? Track record. Track net worth, liquidity. Boom. Track record, net worth. net worth, and liquidity. Go ahead. Yeah. And the deal. And when I say net worth and liquidity, it has to be equal to or greater than the loan amount that you're looking for. So if you're doing 15 million, you got to have a net worth or liquidity and liquidity of 15 million. So that could be from you or it can be five guys in one group that makes up a net worth of 15 million. 
but people don't realize that they just think it has to be me i have to be the person that you know makes this happen but no it can be a team and so when you realize that it can be a team you start borrowing things for people that you don't have to build a superstar team it's kind of like playing basketball you know you build your roster and you put your starting five on the front line and that's your team so whatever the lender wants to see that's what you're going to show i have a sponsor strong track record one person with a strong track record they own 1200 units bam that's a superstar on your team two you need net worth and liquidity bam somebody has a net worth of 50 million dollars bam that's a superstar on your team he's going to let you use the balance sheet and then you need a deal if you found the deal bam you're a superstar on the team you found the deal and if you didn't find a deal and maybe you just found a deal finder who can find deals you put him on the team and then what's your role your role is to put the team together and let the team work you know you're the quarterback that's yeah that's it and that's the that's the number one thing that i think um sponsors and people that's in the space need to understand it doesn't just have to be you you can use a team and you pay people if you don't have the money up front you can just pay them on a deal you can pay them with equity you can pay them with there's so many different structures you can do sometimes money is not people aren't you know don't want the money they just want the equity in the deal because they already make enough money so it's just figuring out what the other person needs and just being able to provide them what they need so that way you can get what you want out of the transaction it's a give give situation you know they give some you give some and you make a whole a whole pie and then you guys can go and do a lot of different transactions you know i, I love that um it's a give give situation you give they give everybody wins you know also yeah uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you said the three uh network liquidity and experience right um mm -hmm. track record network and liquidity right yep <clears throat> excuse me i had a guy bring me a 30 million dollar deal once uh who had a net worth of about four hundred thousand, and he could not understand you know he he said oh you know the reason that i cannot uh you know that i can't get capital is because of i'm being racially profiled you know and i when i review this file i say look i can try and help you but i'm going to tell you right now you know um it's because you don't have the net worth, right? You don't have the liquidity, yep. you, you, you know? Um, so I'm glad that you, that you brought that. Uh, uh, the last thing, you know, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so people can get in touch with me by, I'm all over social media. Just follow, uh, you can go on Instagram, Roderick Jones, R-O-D as in dog, D as in dog, R-I-C-K, Jones. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Roderick Jones, TikTok, Roderick Jones, Facebook, Roderick Jones. And then you can also visit my website, um, www.apartycapitalmarkets.com and go from there. Roderick, thank you, my friend. It's also, a pleasure hold on, I forgot. Go ahead, to I'm tell sorry, me. brother. <laughs> hold on, one more thing. And then you can shoot me a text message, 770-421-5160. All right, now I'm good. All right. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we, we, we definitely going to have you back and, uh, and and get you back on the show uh, because you've certainly been uh, fantastic, man. So thank you again. No problem. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to coming back. Well, folks. It has been another successful week. 
Thank you for tuning in. Thank you again to our guest, Roger Jones from Aparchy Capital Markets for joining us. Stogie of the week is Liga Privada, a.k.a. private label or private blend, if you will, from Drew Estates. Until next time, peace.